0: It’s time for another edition of Family Life Today presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome! We trust you’ll find today’s program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let’s join our presenters Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine.
1: All right, so bringing our firstborn home from the hospital. Oh, yes. You know, what, 30? How how old is he? 35 years old. Okay, so CJ, 35 years old now, married, but when he was an infant, brought him home, put him in the crib in our rental house. Remember that place? And literally stood over the crib looking down, and what was I thinking?
2: I have no idea what to do with him. That's exactly what I was (laughs) thinking. I was like, I I have
1: no clue.
2: Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson.
1: And I'm Dave Wilson. And you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app.
2: This is Family Life Today.
1: You were thinking it, too, but I also was thinking I never had a dad, so I don't know how to be a dad. I've never had a baby. I remember picking up your brother's, Ted, when he was a baby, and everybody in the house was throwing him up in the air, and I'd never done that because I'd never been around babies, so I'd take him and throw him up in the air, and he hits the ceiling. Remember well, that? Yeah. Everybody looked at me like, are you clueless? <laughs> so there I am. Now I'm a dad, and I have no
2: clue what to do. And I think most parents feel like that, and they bring their baby home, and they're thinking, now what? And then they enter the toddlers or the two- and three-year-old that's hard, and then they have teenagers, and each stage, you're trying to figure out, now what do I do?
1: And so we're all looking for help, and I am excited to tell you, we have in the studio with us today help for all parents. We have two dads, right, who uh, we've had here before, because you know what, Ann and I call you guys, you're the brain guys. We've got Dr. Mark Warner with us today and Chris Corsi. You've been with us before. We're going to say welcome back to Family Life Today. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's here. good to be here. Two years ago, you were here. You wrote a book called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And I got to tell you, you don't know this, but after that time with you guys, we stole that material. <laughs> I preached it at my church. We actually did a message on it on the Family uh-huh. Life uh, Love Like You Mean It crew. Oh, we did. Wow. Nice. They asked us we to do a workshop. Credit. Thank you. Oh, no, I don't think awesome. we gave any credit. Awesome. We took <laughs> all the credit. <laughs> yeah. No, we actually did because it was enlightening to us and to anyone that reads and hears this how the brain functions in terms of joy so let's talk about your new book uh, the four habits of raising joy-filled kids a simple model for developing your child's maturity at every stage
2: now parents wait, are leaning in there right now they're like wait we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about brain science with it yeah i mean that's
1: why explain what i mean by you're the brain guys
3: Yeah, well, both of us were uh, mentored by Dr. Jim Wilder, who is a brain science researcher. He ran a counseling center in Southern California for 30 years, and he was in on the original stuff coming out of the UCLA Med Center when they first were able to take three-dimensional pictures of the brain. Hmm. So he's been studying this stuff, and he's really about 10 years ahead in creating exercises and putting this into practice, how do you actually help people, Get better, and so Chris, you know, was mentored by Jim, and the two of them. It was working with Jim that Chris began developing exercises to help people learn. This is what it looks like to live with greater joy. Because uh, one of the things we find out is nobody ever says, you know, my problem is I just got too much joy. I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm yeah, go to right. therapy this week because I just said, you know, nobody says that, right? So. Uh, what is it about joy that is so contagious, so important, and finding out that it's literally the fuel that on which the brain works has been driving a lot of what we've been doing? Yeah. I
1: mean, every person I know, including all of us sitting here right now and every person listening, is longing for joy. Mm-hmm. We're on a search for joy. Yeah. And you've even talked about how the brain has a joy switch. That's one of your other books.
4: Yes. Well, you know, your brain's an amplifier. God made our brain to amplify something. And usually it will amplify whatever's in the environment. So if it's, uh, you know, if it's trained on joy, you could even go into a bad day and yet you can still amplify joy even under the really tough conditions. But if your brain is not trained by joy, you know, you ever talk to someone And they're mad, and next thing you know, you're mad, or they're anxious, and next thing you know, you're anxious. That's called marriage. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's contagious. So Marcus and I wanted to give a language that, you know what, joy is possible. God designed the human brain to run on glad-to-be-together joy, where faces light up, you hear it in the voice, you see it in the mannerisms, you see it in the body. That you walk into that room and somebody is glad it's you that just walked through that door. And so,
2: you're saying this is really important because those words, joy-filled, are both in your marriage book and in this parenting book. Joy-filled. You're saying this is one of the most important things you can bring into a family or a home. Why is that?
3: Yeah. Most people think joy is the icing on the cake of life, but yes. it's actually the fuel that drives it. And what happens is your life is either going to be run on joy or fear. It's really those are the two fuels. And so what we're saying is we want joy-filled kids, and the opposite would be fear-filled kids, Mm. right? Nobody wants to raise a fear-filled kid. So... Uh, if we're going to help them overcome those fears, they have to learn, how do I get back to joy from my various emotions? Because we all feel shame. We all feel anger. We all feel all of the emotions. The question is, can I recover from those? Can I stay myself when I feel those? That's what maturity is all about. And joy and maturity are actually directly related. Think like about the most mature people in your life are the ones that you go to when you need to get some joy back. Hmm. Right. It's like I need to talk to somebody who's going to help me get my joy back. And you look for someone mature who isn't going to be overwhelmed by what you're saying, isn't going to get blown away by this. They've got enough capacity to handle what you're talking about. In the same way, we want our kids to have capacity. We want them to have that emotional capacity to be able to do the hard things in life and still live with joy.
2: I mean, I'm thinking of James one. Did you think that too? like consider it all joy? my brothers, when you encounter various trials. yes. So is James saying that too? No matter the trials that you're going through, the persecution which the church was going through, you can still be joy-filled regardless of your circumstances?
4: You know, that's right. And that's a very important distinction that Marcus and I make in the book. That happiness is just, you know what, I'm happy because a new movie's coming out and I've been wanting to see this movie. Joy is, I'm going to share this with you. Even the trials, even the tribulations. You know what, I'm not alone for someone is with me. And we have a god who is a good shepherd who's glad to be with his sheep and so Hmm. when we think about god being with us i mean part of what's beautiful about heaven is we know that joy is going to be there that god is going to be glad to be with us and so what marcus and i are trying to do here is share this message that you know what Joy is a reflection of heaven, and the brain is designed for joy that literally when you see someone light up to see you, it physically changes your brain. Your brain is changed every time you see someone light up to see you. And I think
1: as a parent, when you were talking about fear-based, joy-based with our kids, my first thought was, well, what about us as parents? Because I think we live often in fear. As a, as a parent, we're afraid of so many things. When they're right. little kids, you think, you know, they're afraid they're going to get hurt. And then they become teenagers. You're like, oh, I used to be afraid. Now I'm really afraid because <laughs> now they're making the decisions that are life altering. Mm-hmm. So how do we get from fear to joy?
3: Yeah, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? Most of the problems that we run into as a parents come from our own fears. Mm-hmm. So our opening chapter is why is parenting so hard and the fundamental answer is we're afraid. We can be afraid because we know we don't have skills. We know we grew up in a home that lacked skills. Oh, we, so
2: you're like this is Dave and I when we bring our son. Exactly. Like, we have terrible backgrounds. We're going to mess this up. So yeah. we're
3: fear-filled. So you start off fear-based and that leads to one of two results. You either underparent or you overparent. <laughs> right? So if you underparent, I'm I'm avoiding parenting because I'm afraid I'm going to mess this up. When I overparent, I am I'm trying to control everything because I'm afraid I'm gonna mess this up. You have just diagnosed the two of us. Okay. <laughs> well
2: there
1: you go. We... Well, who's the over yeah. under?
2: I am definitely the
1: over. And I'm the under. Yeah. I yeah. just want to make sure she knew. Yeah. And I always thought I was right
4: and she was wrong, but you're saying both are wrong.
2: Well you're saying both are fear based. Both are yeah. fear based.
4: It's a completely different system in the brain. So when you run on fear, you're just trying to solve a problem. It's not relational. You don't need the relational parts of your brain to just solve a problem. My son's about to cross, run into the street. I just have to stop that. Your brain doesn't need all the relational pieces. It's just, okay, there's a problem, fix it. And so joy is desire driven. That means, hey, I really want to be with you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that it's you. And I'm glad we're in this together. So I'm the under
1: Sort of guy, sort of. And again, you're making me sound like I have no rules and no (laughs) boundaries. I always had that, but there was a tendency for me to say, let them go. What's the fear in that? What am I afraid of? Well, some of that's good.
3: What we want is our kids to learn how to face their fears and not be afraid of them. But what makes that possible is that they know that we're going to be there with them. They're not going to be alone in it. What really messes kids up to a certain extent is when they get in these overwhelming emotions and they're essentially said, well, go to your room until you figure it out. And, like, I'm three years old, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm feeling rage, and I just called you an idiot, right, because I'm three and you're, you know, standing in front of me and I'm mad. You're like, we don't do that here. You go to your room, young man, and we're, we're dealing with the problem, but we're not dealing with the person, hmm. right? So... What we're talking about here is getting away from that left brain parenting that treats our kids like problems to be solved and getting into the right brain parenting that treats them like people, connects to them, attunes to them like people first, and then gets to the problem solving second.
4: At the end of the day, as parents, we have to learn how to manage what we feel, right? And I'm as good as my ability to manage what I feel. Mm. And so my children are watching me. How does daddy handle this big feeling? Because ultimately, our children will learn by our example, good, bad, or ugly, right? Your relational brain learns by watching other people. So that's why we will sometimes do things we resent, like, oh, I sound like my dad or I sound like my mom, because your relational brain learns by watching other people. So with that example that Marcus gave, the child has to learn, show me how to handle this big feeling, because I'm going to act out right now, and then you show me a better way. So when we... You know, punish them and and we don't stay relationally connected to show them a better way. They're just going to learn you know, whatever they have to work with. And often the things that we come up with on our own are not very good. We need other people who who have traveled this road before, who have a very clear idea. This is who we are, and this is how we behave under these conditions. Well,
2: I, I thought it was good, too, that you start out, and you've been talking about, like, characteristics of low-joy parenting. You know, that I was reading some of those and identifying, like, oh, oh, yeah, uh-huh. And I have to admit this. Mm. I did everything wrong. That's <laughs> I I did it all wrong. And so talk about that. When we talk about low joy parenting, what are we seeing?
3: Yeah, low joy parenting comes from the fact that I am fear-based in my parenting, okay. and it's usually because I didn't get what I needed. So we talk about six big negative emotions, and the idea is that on the right side of your brain there are six core emotions that we feel in- instinctively as a reaction to things. It's not because we're thinking about something we didn't. It's not like cognitive therapy where we thought our way into it. We're just reacting to these things, and every child has to learn how to keep the higher levels of their brain on and functioning with all six of these emotions. And so to whichever one you don't learn how to keep your higher level brain functions on, you have a hole in your maturity development. So a lot of us are good with parenting our kids when they're having shame or they're having sadness or they're having, you know, disgust or something like that, but we can't handle it when they're having something else because we never developed that capacity. We're missing that. And so, Our low joy is coming from the fact that we don't know how to handle these emotions because nobody ever taught us how to.
2: So let's say we're triggered when our kids do something. Mm -hmm. Like if our kids get super angry and then they lash out and say terrible things. And now we're triggered and we start lashing out. Is that a low maturity? Should that be a little clue? Like, oh.
3: Yep. No, that's a clear sign of low joy, low maturity, low capacity, because essentially I've now gone down to their level and whatever, two kids have me (laughs) down. Yeah.
4: And And it's really helpful to know your children, they're looking for an example of you show me how to navigate this, show me how to manage what I feel. And right now I'm really mad and I'm going to do what I know to do. And sometimes that's really ugly. Right. It's very really right. messy. And and with parents, when that joy tank is a little low, then what will happen is I will just get angry and I will see them and I will raise it 10 more and I will get more intense and bigger consequences. Well, I, I got to ask this, though. OK. I mean, because
1: I'm sitting there going, so what do we do? If I'm that dad. Yeah, yeah every
2: parent's thinking.
1: Yeah. And I, and I know what the spouse is thinking. I'm married to that guy. I don't have the problem, but he has the problem or she has the problem. So it's like the dad or the mom isn't mature enough to even see what they're doing. You know, a third party can see it. You can see it at the grocery store in aisle seven. Like, look at that parent. But we have a hard time seeing it when we're doing it. So how does a – it's like
4: an immature parent is what you're saying, right? A low-joy parent. How do we grow up? Well, one of the things Marcus and I talk about in the book is, you know, in those moments – we want to remember quieting is a good thing. Any time I can pause and quiet, that actually helps me to catch my breath. <laughs> so with my children if in those moments where there's a blow up and I find I'm really angry, the first thing I'll do is I got to pause, I got to breathe, I got I want to get relational again. And we also have exercises in the book where we have parents get together with other parents and tell your failure stories but how you learned something valuable. Mm, that's and good. And so you hear these redemptive stories from others. Okay, well, give me an example when you lost it with your child and how did you recover? Or how did you handle that? And your brain also learns from stories. Yeah. So if I don't have that joy or I don't have that particular skill, but I know some friends who are really good at that skill, I could say, Marcus, hey, I've noticed you're really good at handling your anger with your children. Can you tell me some stories of times? Like, how did you learn this? And give me some examples of how you did this. That basically updates your brain. So the next time you get angry, your brain says, oh, wait a minute. I have something on file here. I can pull from that file and use that. So a lot of the times as parents, we just need and You know, examples. that's something I don't think parents do a lot of. We do because marriage. Because we're
1: shame-filled. Well, yeah. I mean, in
4: some ways, even in the,
1: in the church, we have marriage small groups. Mm-hmm. You don't have as many parenting small groups where you get parents right. in a room like you're saying and saying, hey, let's talk. you got teenagers. I've got a four-year-old. What did you learn when you had a little guy and what, what I need to do and vice versa? Mm-hmm. You know, there should be a small group that comes out soon, you know, about right. that. Maybe there is mm-hmm. one called No Perfect Parents. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of my little ad. But what were you going to say, Marcus, about that?
3: Well, you know, i say the title of our book is The Four Habits, right? And the first of the two habits are directly related to this. And the first one's attuning. And what attuning is essentially is reading body language. So the first job of the parent is to read your kid's body language. And if you see that they are really angry from their body language, then you go to the the next one, which is help them bounce back from their anger. So you do that by validating it. And you validate it nonverbally. So you're like, well, what do I do? So you first you you nonverbally validate the emotion. and So maybe you get an angry face look on your face, too, like, oh, you're really angry, aren't you? And then you use words like, yeah, clearly you're really angry about this. This is really making you mad. And then, like, why don't we both take a deep breath? Right now, I'm going to comfort this. I'm going to say, don't worry. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. Let's look at it a new way. Let's come up with a new plan. And my goal is to get them back to feeling like themselves and then we'll do with correcting what's going on. So that's the C is correct with care. A
1: tune, bounce back, uh, correct attune, with care. bounce
3: back, correct with care. So you take Terrible Twos, for example, the biggest mistake most people make in the Terrible Twos is they're completely behavior focused. And they just want this to stop, right? I don't want this attitude, I don't want this, you know, <laughs> explosion, I don't I just want it to stop. And so they skip a tuning and they skip helping the kid bounce back emotionally mm. and they go straight to correcting the behavior. And what we're saying is that correcting the behavior. behavior. Behavior is a left brain task that is treating the child like a problem. We need to make sure we treat them like a child first, help them recover emotionally, give them a model of how that I'm not overwhelmed by your anger. It's not in my world that you're mad at me. That's a sign of maturity. Right. If them getting angry at me changes who I am into a different person, that says more about my maturity yeah. level than them.
2: Every parent yeah. right now is like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: And, and it's very important here because this is really helpful for parents. Look, the worst conditions for the brain to process pain is when I feel alone. Hmm. The moment I feel alone, that puts me in the toughest conditions to manage what I'm feeling. So, what Marcus is saying is very important because what we're saying to our children is, look, there might need to be some consequences here, but right now, now, I see you, I hear you we 're in this together we 're going to get through it, and that says hey you 're not alone, and that actually helps your child to have the best chances of recovering and correcting the behavior afterwards. so it's, this is big
2: when I was reading this and as I was thinking about this attuning part that's the part that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I skipped straight to correcting because I'm thinking this is my job as a parent. I'm going to teach you, train you and correct you. But it was interesting. We've just had lunch together and it's been great as we've been talking about this, like Chris, you are the most attuning person Mm -hmm. and validating Mm -hmm. person I've ever met. I felt like this guy hears me. He Aww. sees what I'm saying. And it's uh, very I'm empathetic. i uh, like, uh,
1: <laughs> like you're saying the guy you married to uh, doesn't.
2: No, what I'm realizing is I didn't do that to mm. our kids. Like just to validate, oh, you're really mad. At and me. what you guys yeah. are saying is
1: what yeah. Ann feels is what our child feels, right? Yeah. When right. we as a parent attune.
4: Yes yeah it's like weeping with those who weep would be the biblical way of looking at this let's just weep i see you're sad i'm going to share it and the good thing is with a little bit of practice this is a habit i don't even realize i'm doing it like i didn't realize i was doing it
2: do you see it marcus oh yeah
4: i know chris is definitely the most
3: attuning person a male especially that i've yeah Yeah, i don't even realize it
4: just because it's just these habits i've learned now when i started my journey there was no way i would have minimized i wouldn't have been able to enter in i definitely wouldn't have been able to validate because i i didn't grow up with these skills this is is just because of some work in my own life to get here so it's, it's encouraging to hear that because it it didn't come naturally
1: well we've actually that is good to hear spent most time on the first of the four habits the right. tuning but let me end with this what would you say to a person or, or mom or dad who's like i'm just really bad at that how do i get better at attuning
3: yeah, that's a good point. You learn to pay attention to body language, first of all, and, and, and remind yourself. You have to make it a task that you're learning, and it takes at least 30 days for your brain to develop a habit, right? So you've got to make it a task at 1st i You've got to pay attention to their body language. What emotion am I seeing here? Can I name that emotion accurately? Can I name how big that emotion is? So a lot of times, Chris mentioned minimizing. Sometimes we minimize our kids' emotions mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel like it should be that big to us, so mm-hmm. we assume it can't be that big for them.
2: And we're afraid they're going to become whiners and dramatic. And so there we get again into the fear. Yes, that's right. right.
3: Exactly. And so the thing to do there is to meet them in how big it is for them and then help them dial it back down from there. So instead of just saying, don't ever get that big with your emotions, we need to meet them in how big this is for them and then help them dial it back.
4: Yeah, and that's why this is good for parents to do as a group, like you mentioned. You know, to do these things as a group, we can see where I'm weak, you're strong where you're weak I might be strong and so doing this with other parents really is valuable
1: and it's interesting as I'm, I'm smiling cuz as I listen to you I'm like that takes so much maturity mm. you know well, it's like you're being so rational and when I'm in that moment I'm so irrational <laughs> but you said it earlier it's like you know it's a moment to pause and go okay take a deep breath this isn't just for the kid this is for mom and dad to go take a deep breath what's the first habit oh a tune okay I mean, it actually can be done, right? I mean, as I hear you say that, I'm like, this can be done. This can change a home's culture and environment and atmosphere if a parent can learn to, okay, I'm going to start with understanding their emotion and matching that and then walking them with me out of it that's a beautiful yeah. process i was thinking yeah.
2: too Dave, as you said that i think as we take a breath and we take a step back just to say a quick prayer too yeah because god's in it he helps us to kind of regulate and to take a breath and to get perspective and the holy spirit i mean when you look at the fruit of the spirit even love joy peace patience kindness he's always there to help if we ask him
0: the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at radio at Our website is families.powertochange.org.au where you can check out articles and many other resources on marriage and family well-being. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.